We saw a thing is a movie podcast about remakes and sequels. We saw a thing and talked about it. In preparation for Birds of Prey being released this weekend, Jay and Chris watched Batman Assault on Arkham released in 2014. I have. I didn't know better. I'd say you're trying to kill me. We're finished, you and me. I got someone new now. Someone better. <sighs> The following conversation has been edited for brevity. No, this is the thing about movies now. I think people make movies so that they can give themselves awards. And this uh, this movie got some awards, like the BTVA People's Choice Voice Acting Award. Okay. Uh, for Harley Quinn and then the whole ensemble cast, specifically for a TV special or direct-to-DVD title or short. I mean, how is this an award? Behind the Voice Actors Award. Chris, you could win a Behind the Voice Actors Award. <laughs> I mean, here's hoping one day. <laughs> I think you need to uh, saddle up with DC because they won two of these things. But then they also won a BTVA Special DVD Voice Acting Award for CCH Pounder as the voice of Amanda Waller. You also need an amazing name like CCH Pounder. So so the new plan for me in my voiceover career is uh, meet these people, get cast in some sort of DC special and start winning awards, but also change my name to something more interesting. <laughs> oh, you need to be way more interesting. Like Chris Shapka is cool and all, but like... CCH Pounder, cool, is what you really need to get on board with. I'm thinking something like, you know, like Slick Salmon or I don't know. You need to go roll with this cooking type of thing. Maybe maybe your name is, uh, you know, uh, Pounded Oregano or something. Pounded Oregano. What is, are you okay? I am actually okay. You know why I'm okay? Because uh, I didn't hate this movie. I enjoyed my time. With this film. Yeah. Actually, so did I. Um, but I'm really curious. I want to hear your thoughts about this one because, like, I don't have strong opinions about this movie. But I also find that DC animated movies have a weird pacing that I don't understand. I find it very difficult. And I don't know what it is. There's, like, these gaps in dialogue or there's these gaps where, like, nobody's doing anything. And they're... they're they're like every ever so slightly too long for me. Yeah, because then immediately following that, there is this kinetic animation that goes so fast and like the music picks up and drumming and crazy. Like it, it's almost like the tones don't meet scene to scene. Certainly, that's a thing. Absolutely. The part that I mean is like in the dialogue. So like characters will be talking together and there's like just slightly too big a pause between them talking. Like everything just sounds a little bit unnatural. Two characters will be talking and there's a pause between them talking to each other, but the pause is just slightly too long. And I don't know what it is about DC animation. I've always found that every time I've started some DC animated thing that's like won awards or everyone's raving about, I always run into that it kind of takes me out of the action so i was just really grateful that this movie wasn't longer they don't know how to do drama so this is how they do drama chris right if they put gaps in the dialogue it's more dramatic in tone sorry you're saying that's done on purpose i left a gap there drama oh gap 
drama. <laughs> Sh- sure. <laughs> okay, sure. Exactly. I don't get that at all. That doesn't make any sense to me. It's awkward. <laughs> it makes these movies feel really long. It makes them feel longer than they should be. Yes. And especially when you've got characters like Harley Quinn, who's so manic and, and weird. Uh, and then I wasn't expecting the Joker to show up in this at all. And then he's so manic and weird. And so to have this really like staccato pacing with those kind of manic energies, it felt very weird to me. So I'm, I just want you to talk a lot about this because you've seen more of these kinds of films than I have. And so I'm just really curious how this stacks up to you as far as other movies in this like DC animated genre. Okay. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, like DC is kind of the only animation studio that does this and they do it fairly consistently. Uh, you'll watch a movie and they will be very droll. And I don't know if this is like Kevin Conroy specific because he often is leading the not say a word Calvary of, of people not saying stuff immediately, but all of the ensemble cast really does have like a, like they let things lie a little too long in all of these kind of movies. That doesn't necessarily make them bad. It just makes them awkward up next to like an Into the Spider-Verse animation where everything moves so fluid. These are a little less fluid, I guess. Um, they're a little more static in their action. They're a little more static. Well, not static in their action because you're right. They are very frenzied and phonetic. I feel like the direction for the voice acting in this is way more deliberate. Like, I don't think they have room to play here. It also could be that uh, everybody came in or did them the lines by themselves. And the only way to make them all fit as, as an ensemble was to leave the gaps a little bit. Yeah, but that still feels like an editing choice to me. Like, I do a lot of audio editing. Like, I edit our podcast, and I'm on purpose cutting our podcast together and making edits so that it makes it sound like we're having a natural conversation, because we are. And so the things that I'm cutting out of our podcast are are things that aren't interesting or didn't go anywhere or parts of the conversation that, you know, maybe we were wrong about something or, you know, we fact-check something later and we want to just take it out, stuff like that, right? But, like... I'm still editing it because when people talk to each other, naturally we talk over each other. There's weird pauses. This felt much more like watching a commercial where like one person is talking and then there's a slight pause and then somebody else is talking and then there's a slight pause. And then it didn't feel like a natural conversation flow, even though the voice acting was really quite good. Like the characters all sounded interesting and they the performances were pretty good and so it just it had this very like stop and go feeling to it and it just kept pulling me out there's something unnatural about way the, the way the characters speak to each other that I don't notice in other animated films like you're saying into the spider-verse or something like that feels more natural characters are talking over each other they're interrupting there's like breaks and stuff right but like this these DC things just feel very deliberate and, and I think that they are uh you know they're making these like a mile a minute, so they could be getting the audio in and and not have proper direction of the the voice talents, and they are pounding these out. And for the most part, these DC animated movies are great. They're like so much better than the cinematic universe. Right. Far and away, I will always sit down to one of these animated movies. And I really enjoyed Batman Assault on Arkham mostly because... It, they don't need a world build in these things. Like, 
Joker could very well be dead. Amanda Waller could very well be dead. It doesn't matter (laughs) that you haven't seen eight sequels before this to learn who these people are. Like, there are genuine consequences happening throughout this. Like, there is a... There's a DC villain who has his head blown up and he's a pretty prominent DC villain that you would expect to like maybe go on to another movie. But as these are standalones, you don't have to worry about blowing up his head. Right. It feels more like reading a short run comic book series than it does like an animated feature. Right. I was surprised that it was so short. I mean, obviously, Kevin Conroy's been Batman forever in these animated things. So like he's on autopilot. They were just fine. Right. But like I was a little bit disappointed. No Mark Hamill. Yeah. No Mark Hamill in this. Uh, I I thought the guy who played Joker was pretty good. Yeah, I thought he did great. I was a little bit surprised at the end that it wasn't Mark Hamill, if I'm being honest. I I was like, oh, it's got to be Mark Hamill. And then at the end, I'm like, that wasn't Mark Hamill? It didn't sound quite Mark Hamill-y to me. <laughs> it's very good. I really enjoyed him as the Joker, but he's just not like Hamill-level insane. Right. There was just like a beat missing there that, that I was really hoping for. So I was a little bit disappointed it wasn't Hamill. I mean, this this movie is all balls-to-the-wall crazy, though. Like, oh yeah, Harley Quinn is like a sex addict. I mean, this is a PG-rated film, and she goes, hardcore on Deadshot. Yeah, that was a little weird. It was weird. I wasn't expecting that. But then we get to the actual plan, and the plan's really cool. They're going to break into Arkham so that they can find a bomb that the Riddler planted, and it's all organized by the Suicide Squad, by Amanda Waller, who, like, is not who you'd think. This Amanda Waller is not your CW Amanda Waller. This is not your DC Cinematic Universe Amanda Waller. This is, like, a ball-busting larger woman who you really want to see die by the end of the film. <laughs> yeah, she kind of sucked. She was like, like, she was the bad guy, certainly. And the only reason Batman is in this movie is because he... <laughs> okay, so they have this really great idea. They're going to break into Arkham, but they're really worried about Batman stopping them from breaking inside Arkham. To find this bomb. Batman's also looking for this bomb. Side story doesn't even matter. But they have this really good idea that they are going to redo this footage from the day before. And Batman is so Batman in this movie (laughs) that he knows that guy doesn't work on Fridays. Something must be wrong at Arkham. That was amazing. It's amazing. So he shows up and all hell's breaking loose. And you know, you got like sexy Poison Ivy and sexy Harley Quinn. And then <laughs> Joker's really upset that somebody else had sex with Harley Quinn. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of sexual tension happening in this animated flick. It's a lot, man. <laughs> I feel like these animators are horny. Yeah. Again, as somebody who doesn't watch a lot of these DC animated movies, I did not know what I was in for. And I enjoyed it a lot more than I expected. These characters are so sexualized just in the way that they're animated. And the men too, right? Like the, everyone is overly sexualized in this movie. The manic joy of this Suicide Squad makes me really hope that DC's plan for their, like, you know, live action cinematic universe is just a lot of these one-off films. Speaking of the DC cinematic universe, we watch Batman and Assault on Arkham because it heavily pushes Harley Quinn. And Harley Quinn, of course, tomorrow is going to be the star of Birds of Prey, the wonderful emancipation of Harley Quinn. I don't really know this subtitle, but it's Birds of Prey. And that's coming out tomorrow. And Margot Robbie is going to do her thing again. Uh, we're we're recording this 
well ahead, have no idea what the reviews are. I hope they're good. We are not being paid by Marvel to do this. <laughs> I hope it's good. We both enjoy Margot Robbie as an actress. There's a lot of like uh, Mary Elizabeth Weinstead's in this. She's Ramona Flowers. She's Ramona Flowers, Jay. We love Ramona Flowers. It's nice to see her in something. She's been <laughs> kicking around TV for a while, but like we, there's a lot of great actors and actresses in this movie that I'm really excited to see. It looks like there's not going to be a Joker uh, in this one, which I'm excited about because I really didn't enjoy uh, Jared Leto's Joker at all. But like if Birds of Prey is like this level of manic, if it's just silliness for an hour and a half or two hours, I'm going to be so into it. Uh, It doesn't need like an amazing bad guy or an amazing plot or whatever. Just like put a bunch of really interesting characters together and let them just kind of spin around like tops for a couple hours and I'd be into it. And I think that's the key that DC's been missing with a lot of these movies is that there's just no fun to them a lot of the time. But they seem to have it in the animated movies. So I don't know why they're not just like pushing forward with that. Like you've got a studio where it's working. Why not take some lessons there? Let's face the facts. You can do better things with animation than you can with actors. Everybody wants people on the big screen. I want to see a guy in the suit. I need to see that. You will never be able to do exactly what your vision is unless you animate it. I mean, it would be really interesting to see DC do an extended universe of superheroes with an animation style that's unique, kind of like a Spider-Verse. Like, I don't know why they don't do that. The, certainly the voice actors are a lot cheaper than than on-camera actors. The cost to make these movies would be a lot less. You could develop some sort of really unique animation style and then very, very quickly release a ton of movies in a connected universe to theaters and probably make a ton of money. It would be so easy to have a giant cast of on paper huge character, right? Like there's no reason you can't have a Batman and a Rob, like have every Batman character ever in a single movie. You could do that and it wouldn't be as expensive as doing it live action. But at this point, all they would say is they're copying Spider-Verse. Yeah, but but they could do something different, right? Like Spider-Verse isn't an expanded universe yet. I'm sure it will be because Sony, but very soon, (laughs) but like, it's not yet. I don't know at this point, like, I don't know why DC doesn't just like start throwing things at a wall and seeing what sticks. Cause they haven't had a ton of luck outside of a few, you know, like wonder woman and Joker did really well financially. Here's hoping birds of prey is interesting. I mean, you and I've talked a lot about this as well, right? Like birds of prey is going to get my money. Cause I just want these companies to know that they're starting to hit balls in the right ballpark for me. That was the same thing I had going into Wonder Woman, right? Just make more. Just make more movies with female leads. Just make more. (laughs) Oh, I see. Okay. I'm glad you clarified the female lead because as you know, like if a movie sucks, I don't want to give it to my dollar because I don't want them to make more or think this is the direction to go. You know, I already think we're going to get a sequel to this Joker movie with Joaquin Phoenix, which is the wrong lesson. To, like, Warner Brothers, if you do that, that's the wrong lesson. <laughs> yeah, you you really didn't like that movie. <laughs> I didn't like that movie, but I also <laughs> think it's a standalone movie. It doesn't work. You cannot put Arthur Fleck up against freaking Batman. One, in the movie, he'll be like 65 and Batman will be 20 and kick the ever-living shit out of him, (laughs) which basically Batman does all the time anyway. But two, he's a dummy. 
Like he's not a smart guy. He's a crazy guy, but he's not smart. He's not Heath Ledger Joker. You could see Heath Ledger Joker up against Batman again. You would never be able to see this Arthur Fleck guy up against Batman. Like it doesn't work. So just remember you did a good thing for a lot of people who loved this film. But you don't need a sequel to this film. And I hope they know that. They don't know that, Jay. It made a billion dollars. They're going to make a sequel. (laughs) (laughs) What else can we say about Batman Assault on Arkham? Look, it's a fun ride. I recommend watching this movie if you've never seen it. Harley Quinn's a lot of fun. The rest of Suicide Squad is a lot of fun. Like, Killer Frost and King Shark seem to have a thing going on. And that's interesting for a minute. Watching this movie got me very excited for Birds of Prey because I don't know a ton about Harley Quinn. Like, I'm way more of a Marvel guy than I ever was a DC guy. So learning a little bit more about them was a lot of fun. So it got me excited for Birds of Prey, but it also really got me excited for James Gunn's Suicide Squad because I'm just really curious what he's going to do with that. He'll be a little bit untethered as far as, like, content goes because DC seems to be okay with a little more risque content in their movies than Marvel does. Oh, hopefully that's what they learned from Joker is that you can do different things. So, I mean, they're already filming that. They were already, I think they were already close to filming it when Joker came out. So I don't know if they've learned any lessons particularly, unless it's going to be like reshoot lessons, which seems to, like everyone calm down with the reshoots. Like, can we, geez. Yeah, we don't need them. We don't need them at all. But anyways, yeah, watch this movie. It's got every Batman villain in it who's ever existed. And then you got all these Suicide Squad people and they're a lot of fun too. And Harley Quinn is like playing both sides, which is, interesting because she was built as joker's like girlfriend like there's no precedent in the comics for harley quinn until the animated series happened that's where she started they built her for that and now she's harley quinn now she's the best part of suicide squad like she's got a really interesting origin because They just needed someone to play against the Joker. It's a weird one to me because she doesn't seem to be like a symbol of female empowerment in a lot of ways. But at the same time, she just kind of does whatever she wants. And she's just like a huge source of chaos for everybody and a huge pain in the ass for everybody. Uh, But she's a very interesting character. Like Joker is a very interesting character because of his motivations and stuff, uh, which is a lot of the reason that I think making a Joker origin story was a really stupid idea. But like... The villains in DC are – some of them are really three-dimensional as far as their characterizations go and their their motivations and stuff. It's, it's something that Marvel could really learn a lesson from for some of their villains. I agree. And you know what? I also want to throw out there to anybody who may be looking for a new series, Adult Swim put out the Harley Quinn. It's in the DC universe if you're listening from uh, the United States. But here in Canada, it's on Adult Swim. And – The show is a blast. Harley Quinn leaves the Joker. You know, no Fs given. It is vulgar and a lot of ridiculous scenarios where these villains who are just trying to really villain it up become super endearing. And the show's great. Watch the show. (laughs) It is great. You introduced that to me. It's super weird. Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's a bonker show. But if you're watching anything with Harley Quinn, she needs to be bananas. And she is in this. And that makes it fun. And yes, she's overly sexualized, but so is Jessica Rabbit. (laughs) That's a good place to end it, I think. Next 
time on We Saw a Thing. To get prepped for Emma, Jay and I are watching, well, Emma. You know, the Gwyneth Paltrow one from 1996. That's coming up two weeks from today on February 20th. We Saw a Thing is hosted by Jay Kennedy and Chris Shopcott. Produced by Shopcott's Media. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave a review on Apple Podcasts.